When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Convos Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. I'm super excited for today's episode. I really think you guys are going to like it because my guest, David Ribich, is one of like the best personalities in the sport. He just recently signed with Nike Running and Union Track Club, which is based in Portland. He was previously a member of the Brooks Beasts, and he also ran D2 at Western Oregon University. He's written a book, Small School Big Dreams, and he also has a podcast, which is pretty popular. It's called Sit and Kick, and his co-host is Josh Kerr, who's on the Brooks Beast and represents Great Britain and is also really good. So he's just a great personality in the sport of track and field. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Okay, I talked about them in last week's episode too, but I'm so excited for this new sponsor. It's called Track Club Atelier. It's presented by the Pittsburgh Track Club. It's a new clothing brand that has modern and fun designs on loungewear staples for runners. And what makes them unique is that they're not actually just for runners. They have cute illustration designs for throwers, jumps, multi-events, and more. I'm literally wearing my heptathlon sweatshirt right now. It's a crew neck. I obviously do not do the heptathlon. Um, I'm definitely not that talented but I needed to get the crew neck because it was just so cute. They update the shop with new items frequently so fans of the sport can express themselves with items like shirts that say, running time trials won't keep families together and a tote bag, which I have because it just really resonates and it says, you can go to hell, I'm not going to Eugene again. And they gave me a sweet deal for you guys. You can find the shop on www.pittsburghtrackclub.com and if you use code EMMA15 in all caps, you get 15% off of your order. Again, pittsburghtrackclub.com and use code EMMA15 to get 15% off your order. Seriously, go check them out. Now let's get into today's episode with David. All right, we're with fellow podcaster and newest member of Union Athletic Club and Nike Running, David. Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited Thank to have you. you on because it's nice to have a fellow podcaster on because you know how this goes. Yeah, exactly. So, like, guys, like, welcome back to another episode of the Sit and Kick Podcast. Oh, uh, I'm kidding. your host, no. David Herbich. So, uh, yeah, no, it's going to be fun. Emma. Um, I've been looking forward to doing this for a while. I know we've been back and forth trying to get uh, some episode worked out, uh, but I do feel like actually this is the best way to kind of come on and introduce myself to your your listeners and followers yeah exactly I mean I feel like I don't know I don't know your demographics on the sit and kick podcast but I have a feeling it's very heavy on the male side oh um, what do you mean I <laughs> just you know every uh I don't know male podcast like I feel like it's just all dudes I mean it's all dudes even it's in all, running YouTube yep. is all dudes basically um, and let's run yeah you know what we we, we actually need more yeah yeah, I, I I don't even know how to begin that conversation. The the world of running and distance running is ran by high school prepubescent boys in comment sections and forums. And if we can change that on today's episode, that, that'll be a job well done. See, okay, well, this is good. You'll have some crossover. Maybe you'll get some ladies, you know. Um, I'm engaged, happily engaged. Okay, well, hey, I hey, you said it, not me. I wasn't saying All anything. Right, I enough. was just saying they could follow your journey, you know. My also, cell phone number is... Stop! <laughs> 
Also, I was looking today. You haven't even posted on the Sit and Kick podcast in like a year. Yeah, yeah. So me and Josh, like uh, me and Josh, are gonna have an episode um, probably come out. I should probably just use it as if it like this is coming out the day of it's coming out. Um, we had an episode record today as well. Um, God, I'm so mixed up on my times now, but. <laughs> So the, yeah, episode, we, we, the newest episode is out already. When you guys are listening to this podcast right now, they already correct. posted one recently. Correct. But correct. when we're recording right this second, you well, have When we're recording it. right now, it's not posted, but it will be posted by the time this one comes out. Um, yeah, we took a hard stop in May. Um, and just a quick round about like, you understand how time consuming being, I guess you could put like a media influencer or a podcaster, putting yourself out there, being transparent, building this brand and this um, this platform for yourself to be able to speak on. And Josh and I had our 5K went horribly wrong. And then me and Josh just sat down with one another. And I'm like, Josh, like, I'm fighting for my career. You're fighting for a world championship. Like, I told Josh, I was like, I don't want my athletic career to be summarized by talking about other people's athletic careers. And so I just came to terms with him and we just put a hard pause on the podcast. And so yeah, we went from May to January without an episode because, I mean, as I am now with Nike and Union Athletic Club, like, I was kind of fighting for my contract at that point, and I wanted to make sure I could focus on the things that mattered and the things that paid the bills and the things that I was contracted to do, which was perform, and I wasn't able to do that. So taking a break, taking a step away allowed me to run a bit more free, run a bit less stressed, and you know how much time it goes into editing and recording and things like that, so I don't need to preach to you. Um but I wanted to compete at the highest level um, and I have yet to do that at the pro ranks. So putting a pause on the podcast was the first thing that Josh and I came to terms on of like, all right, what can we do to focus on track? All right. Put our side hustle aside. And then that's what we did. So yeah, we're kind of back in business. Podcast will exist still. Um, but I mean, Josh and I converted to an LLC. We pay taxes. We it's a business. Like it's not going anywhere. We went on a, we went on a little hiatus, but we're, we're returning to the scene. Okay, so you guys are just still going to have the same dynamic, even though now you're on different teams? The dynamic, I would say, is more banterish now. Yeah, because like, now was, you're going to be, like, rivals. A... You're not teammates yeah. anymore. Yeah, I, like, in one of the Instagram posts, even on the UAC account, I'm in um, Brooks Hyperion's because I hadn't gotten my shoe drop yet, but I still wanted to, like, wear a fast fast shoe. It's a pretty slow, heavy shoe now. You know, I have to say that. The Brooks shoes are. They're just terrible, but... Um, oh. <laughs> yeah so josh was roasting me about being an ike athlete wearing brook shoes and if anything it's gonna be more banterish um which is good so it'll be fun yeah i feel like that'll add a little bit extra fun to the dynamic which is already exactly fun. it's the only podcast i think that has two rival brands under the same branch like thin kick like you have coffee club they're all on i don't even know who else exists at this point <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. but josh and there's I, like three yeah. Yeah, so if it's Josh and I and it's Nike Brooks, we'll send it. So. Yeah, I get it, though. I mean, I think people don't really realize all that goes into, like, podcasts and content creation. I can, I don't know, even, like, the Coffee Club guys, I don't know how everyone does it because I know mm-hmm. how much goes into it, but then I also know how much goes into training hard, obviously. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes sense that you guys wanted to take a break. And just having the public eye on you, too. It's like, yeah. I don't know, it's nice to not have the extra addition of that, but... It probably was hard because then it's like you work so hard and you don't want it to just go away, like your yeah. podcast brand and everything. But I mean, I get it. I'm sure everyone kind of gets it. Like after doing that, did you feel more free in your head? Um, 
I think so. I think that there's a lot of things. I, I don't think I don't think podcasting was the issue, to be honest. Um, I don't think podcasting was the issue. I wasn't performing. Um, I think it was the dynamic and kind of the environment that I was in, which is one of the reasons why when I kind of came to terms with Brooks about like parting ways, like it was like the decision was made for me from a Brooks perspective. Like I didn't get re-signed, but I was likely going to leave anyway. So it was just like this mutual understanding of like, this is what is best. But when I wasn't podcasting, it allowed me honestly just to focus on, okay, like podcasting's out, let's focus on my career. What do I want in my career? And then that made me reevaluate all the things around me. Um, so I miss podcasting. I love podcasting. Like I, I really do enjoy talking to athletes like Keely Hodgkinson, Grant Holloway, like big names that like I'm a fan of, but I got, I got to, I guess got to be realistic in that. Like, okay, well I need to also see myself as the same athlete that they are. And so I can't be like an excited fan. Um, I can be, but <laughs> I need to understand that I'm also a world-class athlete and I need to operate in that way. So not podcasting just allowed me to treat myself like a world-class athlete a little bit more. Um, yeah. I missed it though. I really did. Like when I got done with the podcast today, me and Josh FaceTime after every episode and then we just shoot the shit for another or shoot the crap. I don't know what the explicit <laughs> okay. marks are in, in this podcast. Um, yeah. We just FaceTimed again, 20 minutes, talked about the episode and it was fun. It was just like, didn't miss a beat. So yeah, I like it. Was he like your best friend on the Brooks team? Yeah. I mean, he's in my wedding. Um, oh, that's cute. Yeah. He, yeah, it, he's he's gonna be my wedding. Um, and it's funny because so I went to Utah um, in September to actually ask Josh to be in my wedding. Like Josh was there with his fiance. Um, his fiance was in um, doing a medical rotation, so Josh was there and he was just golfing. He's like, "Hey, you should just come to Utah for a bit." So I'm like, "All right, cool." So then I do, um, and I I have this thing where I buy, and this is where I'm probably gonna sound like a hopeless romantic, but like. I've dated Olivia for six years and every year I give her a Christmas ornament um, of my favorite memory with her. So like when we went to France together, I made like a, an, an ornament that had like sand from one of the beaches that we we're on at the Mediterranean. It has a shell. It has like a Euro. It has a little Eiffel tower in, in like this ornament. I gave her that. I gave her one from like Mount Rainier, from Seattle, from the Oregon coast. Um, <clears throat> this year's is from Ireland. Like I gave her a memory that I really appreciated and enjoyed throughout the year. So then when we're at the end of every year decorating our Christmas tree, it's like we're putting together this continuous story of memories that like we get to share. And so <laughs> oh like gosh, when we're- if he wanted to, he would. Like truly, like you are the yeah. definition of that. That's so cute. Yes, but it's like, it's still very relevant because at the end of every year, we get to talk about it again. And so for all the groomsmen in my wedding, I gave them an Orion Christmas ornament because I want them to be a part of my memory um, with my wedding. So I like, instead of like the little grooms box, which I was on Pinterest and I was looking and it was like, get your groomsmen a shave, kit, a flask. Uh, and I'm like, this is not, like, I'm not going to be a bro. Like, I'm not a bro. Like, I'm a little bit more sentimental than that. Uh, and emotional, emotionally unstable as well. Like, I, I, yeah, I, uh, I get in the feels a lot. So I gave Josh a Christmas ornament and the Christmas ornament said Oregon. It had like golf on it because him and I, golf all the time together and then I gave him a card and this this all does have a point this isn't just a, a random story no I love this I'm eating this up yeah when I wrote in Josh's card like I told him in the card our friendship day-to-day -day, terrible miserable we rarely talk we rarely text it's just another friendship but our friendship in highs and lows is super super important like Josh knows how to pick me up when I'm really low I know how to pick him up when he's really low 
if there's, and in the card I said, it's like, if there's anyone that I want there for me in my ultimate high or my ultimate low, it's you. Like you are that friend that's like going to carry me through thick and thin, like through the middle ground, just another dude. But from the real emotional side of things. And that's what I love most about Josh is a lot of people see him as like this very, I don't know why this is turning into a Josh soapbox, but a lot of people see Josh as- <laughs> Are you marrying cocky. Josh? I wish I was, no. Um, but Josh does everything with love. And so I know how much things mean to him. So I gave him this card about highs and lows. The next day I get a call from Brooks and I'm not re-signed. And I was in Utah with Josh, seeing Josh later that afternoon. And I go- yo, Josh, you ready to rally? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, I didn't get re-signed. Was he already re-signed? Or oh, did so his- jo- Josh was, Josh was fine. I, okay. yeah, Josh, Josh's contract was, wasn't in jeopardy okay. um, by any means, um, but mine was obviously. And so it just so happened that like, I gave Josh this card that talked about highs and lows. And then the next day I was at a low and I needed him, like really needed him. And so then him and he just immediately dropped everything, came down, picked me up. And because I was at my other friend's house in Utah and he drove 45 minutes without like, he's like, all right, I'll be there in a sec. Hangs up, drives down, picks me up, buys dinner, buys a case of beer, barbecue. We talk. And it's like in when you're in a really vulnerable spot like that, because you're kind of in a state of shock, because it was like grieving. It almost felt like a breakup because of like the investment of four years into something, knowing it's ended. It was really nice to have Josh be there. Um, and so now knowing that and like the conversations that Josh and I had through the fall, like the podcast is always going to exist because like there's not a brand identity to the podcast. Like Josh and I started our podcast off of the friendship that we have and that's what it'll continue. He'll just now be able to harp on me a little bit more about brand and shoes and companies and stuff like that, but it's good. Yeah. What I mean, I feel like about? I don't remember, but no, I love stories like that. I love when people like ramp, but not, it wasn't even rambling. Like it was a good yeah. story. Um, but I mean, I don't think people like think of your podcast as like a Brooks podcast. I feel like they really just see it as you too. So I don't know. That's perfect. But that's like sad. I mean, obviously like now you had to leave all of your teammates, him Mm -hmm. being one of them, whatever, like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to kind of mesh into a new group of people, but now that you're, and you also had to move too. So Mm -hmm. you moved to Portland from Seattle. Yeah. How is it meshing, I guess, with a new set of teammates? Yeah. Well, something that I just want to touch on too is so I had the option to train with the Brooks team through the fall because my contract technically was till December 31st but I was notified in September so I had like a three-month window of things that I could or couldn't do like you could train with team or you could not it's up to you but I got a heads up so I was able to have these conversations with coaches and things like that which was really helpful because by the time January rolled around everything was already decided it wasn't like I was just hung out to dry so I'm appreciative of that But what I want to say is when you're going through a transition or a change, whether you're going from high school to college, a business change, a degree change, any type of change, living situation, like really, really take time for yourself and like prioritize the voice in your head and not a lot of the voices around you because like, yeah, everyone does have an opinion, um, but like, you know what you want. The people really close to you know what you want. And I ended up training alone all fall because I needed to know what I wanted. Like, I didn't want to stay with the team knowing that it was going to end. It's like staying in a relationship, knowing that you're going to break up. And with that decision, like when I made the announcement at the end of December that I wasn't with Brooks anymore, I got like texted randomly. That was like, don't go to Let's Run today. And I'm like, I never go to Let's Run. Yeah, exactly. 
why would you tell me that? Because now I'm curious, but I didn't go. <laughs> exactly. I hate when people do that. People do that all the time too. They're like, yeah. oh, there's a Let's Run article about you or something like yeah. that. It's like, why would you tell someone that? Yeah. So what I'll say with whoever's going through change, transition, whatever, like there's going to be critics, there's going to be praise, there's going to be doubt, but like stay true to yourself and just like make decisions for you. And if people have opinions, they're entitled to it, but those have no value. What, ha what, what has value is how you see yourself. And that's what I tried to focus on through the last three months. And ultimately that's made the transition very easy because I feel like I can mesh with this new team really well, um, like seamlessly well. I'm having a great time. I love the guys. Like it feels right. And from day one, even like when I was speaking with Pete uh, Julian, who's my coach now, like I felt it in my heart. Like I left the conversation with Pete when I toured Nike and I'm like, this is it. Like I called Howie. I said, he's like, let's talk about negotiation. Let's talk about offers. Like what kind of contract are you trying to get out of this? And I go, Howie, this might seem like a low ball, but I'm like, I don't care what I get offered. And I don't care what we accept. I don't care what we negotiate. Like this is the team. They can't know that. Like we lose all power in this scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, don't I'm, tell them that. I'm like, I'm going here regardless. Like this is where I want to be, where I want us to go because I genuinely believe I can succeed here. And so being on a new team with a new company and everything is great and exciting because like change, change is good. Change is scary, but change is really, really good. And I felt like it happened at a right time where I put my four years in at Brooks. I was there. I developed. I, I was running faster than I ever ran before. I ran 335. I was close to a world standard. It wasn't enough from a performance perspective for them. But the exact reason I didn't get re-signed by Brooks is the reason I'm now with Nike and Pete. Because they do see potential, they do see improvement, they do see an opportunity to have me on their team. And so, yeah, um, transition's been great. I'm in Phoenix, 70 degrees, doing runs, hanging out with guys that I was rivals to, guys that I, like, despise from a competitive level, like Centro. But you know what? Him and I are boys. Him and I are texting. Like, never thought I'd say that. But it's a, it's a really, really cool, cool transition. Um, and, it, and it's exciting. Yeah, during those months of like September until I guess now, because you started training with them in like January first, mm -hmm. or yeah, I did. I was, I yeah, I started training with them in January officially. Um, just before the new year, I was in Portland, so I I got a little bit of a glimpse of what I'd be be working with and how the team would operate. Because in our sport, like I I didn't want to go from one training program to the next. Um, I was never coached by Pete until January one, but I wanted to make sure that. Like I, I, I went out to a Nike store on my own and yeah. like December 27th on my birthday, I went and bought shoes. So I'm like, I need to know what shoes I want. I don't want to go into January and get, get shoes and run in the wrong shoe or get hurt or anything. So I, I let myself transition product wise um, earlier, which is probably some form of breach of contract, but Brooks isn't going to fire me for that. So was there like a time period, I guess, after you like found out that you weren't getting re-signed by Brooks, did you ever think about quitting or was it just like you knew immediately that you were gonna go on the next team I I made well I mean I can't say I made my fiance and I made a resume for me um I made a LinkedIn profile I really looked at what I wanted to do next if it wasn't running like did and you still I, have the I guess what at the end of the contract did you still have the drive to do it like were you still hungry for more or was it yeah, like a really I mean big... if, I mean if if anything I I was hungrier I was it wasn't like I I'm, and, I, and I don't operate and I think this was like my caption today well I don't think I know what my caption was but it's like I'm not trying to do this to prove anyone wrong it's like I'm trying to do this to prove myself right like yeah. that's my investment so regardless of whether or not I was going to be supported by Brooks or supported at all 
running was still going to be my number one priority, but I wanted to be realistic in that, like, okay, right now, January one, this is in September, my mindset, like January one, I'm making $0. I have a wedding that year. I need to pay for the wedding. I need to pay for rent. I need to pay for this. I need to pay for that. Like life is very real and financial obligations are very real. I have credit card debt because I'm an overspender. Like <laughs> I had to be realistic in that, like, okay, if running doesn't come together and I, there's no place for me to go, what can I do? And I made a LinkedIn profile, like I said, a resume. And what I realized was if money was truly the issue right now, I could make a ton more money doing something else I'm definitely qualified for. Like there's a lot of jobs all over the world that I would feel as though I could be happy in. But the happiest I could be is running right now while I'm in my prime, while I'm still improving. Um, but I had real conversations with myself and Olivia of like, am I going to continue to run? And my priority this fall was to network. Like I went down to Orlando um, for the USATF convention and I met with pretty big, big swings. Uh, what do they call them? Big swings? I don't even know. Big, what would you call them? Big, I want to say big baller brands, but that's the mellow, the mellow balls brand. I don't know. <laughs> I, I met with pretty uh, boss people. I don't know why. Oh, that sounds like um, so cringy. Cool. Boss people. Boss people. Um, I met with, <laughs> I guess I met with, I, I guess I'll say I met with pretty high execs in the sport of track and field. There you go. That's a good way to put it. Globally or nationally uh, with USATF or IAAF. And I exchanged contact information with people. I'm not going to say I exchanged contact info with Max Siegel, which I did, but I wouldn't say if I did or didn't, but I did. <laughs> and so- I networked and I realized that I do have a position in the sport once I'm done being an athlete and I do have these connections and I am known enough by these bigger names and bigger boss brand people uh, <laughs> to find myself with a career in the sport beyond being an athlete. So knowing that, knowing I have a resume, knowing I can make money elsewhere, like Olivia and I knew that like, yeah, running's the priority and it will be until, um, I don't think it is anymore, but I think our sport is so interesting because running is a sport that you get to do forever, whether it's competitively or not. And the last thing that I honestly want to do is stay in the sport too long from a professional perspective. When I'm done, I'm done. Like I want to, I want to be very realistic with that. But how do you know when you're done? Like that's the other thing about our sport is that I feel like unless maybe you win the Olympics, even if that, like, I feel like there's always, oh, I'd be done. I would be done. <laughs> give, me, give me an Olympic gold. Give me one more year after that to have a little farewell tour. I'm adios. I'm gone. And okay. But to you, like what defines success? Like what, when are you going to be okay with stepping off the track? I think when I find joy and happiness, and this is not to sound vain, but when I find joy and happiness and other accomplishments, like when we're ready to have kids, when I'm ready to, bring a child into this world like when I when I'm ready to support Olivia and and a family like you could still do that as a runner certainly but I'm an all-in kind of guy and so when it comes to running like this is my all-in right now but there's going to be a there will be a moment and I almost faced that this year where I'm losing the joy and I'm losing the love and the happiness for whatever I'm doing when I'm feeling that that's when it really when I think I'll know because competitively I'll always be a competitor but it's like, I really do wake up every day and I'm like, sick, I'm going to go be in pain on the track. This is going to be awesome. Like when I'm, when I'm not feeling that way, I'll hang them up, whether I'm 27 or 35, like, I don't really want to do this sport, honestly, when I'm in my thirties or not 35, I'd like to be transitioning into something else, but I think I'll just know, I'll know when I know. 
And yeah. then when I know I have to make the decision to leave, I don't want to, I don't want to be in it half in half out. Cause I think when you're half in and half out of something, you're not be able to give it your hundred percent and the results show. So. Yeah. I mean, running is definitely a sport where you have to be all in. Cause if you're not, it will definitely show. So, yeah. but I also, I mean, from someone who has retired from competitive running, like I feel like everyone has that instinct in them when they know it's, it's time to hang it up, you know? I don't know. Personally, at least that's what happened to me. Like when I was in college and it was my last season and I was like, I'm just, I don't think I'm built for this anymore. Or like, that's not even the right way to put it, but you'll just know. So, but it's like, I don't know. It's really cool to see someone chasing after their passion. I feel like a lot of people question and whether it's on the let's run boards or whatever it is, like why people continue to do it after college like when everyone's focused on their career and stuff or whatever, but I'm like, you don't have another chance to do this, you know? So why not do it and take advantage of it while you can? Exactly. Um, Yeah. So I always admire it and I love watching people, you know, chase after their dreams and I'm just like a big running fan. So yeah. Pardon the little intermission here, but we, we've got to talk about my favorite sponsor of this podcast, Coros. If you watch any of my stuff, that means YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. You guys know that when I go for my runs or my strength workouts or my cross training workouts, I am always wearing my Koros Pace 2 GPS Premium Sport Watch. This watch stays on me all the time. One of the main reasons is because the battery life is insane. I can wear it for days on end and not have to charge it. It has the best battery of any GPS watch I've ever worn. So especially if you're someone who, one, like me, forgets to charge their watch a lot. Two, you do really long workouts, like maybe you're training for an ultra or something and there's like no outlets available so you can't charge your watch all the time. Three, you travel a lot and you forget your chargers or you don't wanna bring a charger. The Coros Pace 2 battery life is the best on the market in my opinion, I swear. I don't know how they do it. It's also so easy to use. So even if you're a beginner, like it's just the perfect watch to get into you know, the GPS sector of watches if you wanna upgrade. All you have to do is press two buttons and then you're off and running and it's super easy to sync to the app and Strava. It's automatic and you don't even really have to think about it. Also, it is just beautifully designed. I never feel it on my wrist, which is how you know that it's a good watch because you don't want to feel anything when you're running like on your body. That's how you know it's good quality. The last thing you want to feel is something bouncing around on your wrist and I never feel that way when I'm wearing the Pace 2 and it's also just a very sleek design. I get compliments on it all the time and you can also change the watch face, which is really cool. There's so many different options that you can choose from. Again, I talk about it all the time because I seriously wear this watch all the time, the Coros Pace 2, and for Convos over Cold Brew listeners, they gave me a sweet deal. You can go to Coros.com and use code COLDBREW for a free accessory with the watch purchase. All you have to do is add the accessory, like a band, a charger, or a piece of apparel to the cart before checking out, and then you apply the code COLDBREW to get that accessory for free. Again, Coros.com use code cold brew linked in the show notes as per usual now let's get back into today's episode with david i mean it's pretty recent since joining uac but what's the biggest difference so far from brooks yeah yeah biggest difference well and and a little caveat i'm still incredibly close with danny and all the guys on the team all the girls on the team like they're all my friends they were in my family for four years so like all the perspectives that i'm saying there's no animosity or envy or hate towards literally anybody it was like a strict business decision. So when I talk about like the differences, it, it really has nothing to do with the people because I love all the people. They're all invited to my wedding. So they're in. But the biggest difference, um, and just to put it plainly, there's a different level of intensity. I mean, I worked out on Tuesday with, well, I can't say all these names. Um, Centro was there. Charlie was there. 
and a, and a couple other guys. I'm the only guy there that hasn't made a global championship or medaled at the Olympics or world championship. And then it's like, wow, everyone here is what everyone's trying to do with the Brooks team. And that's no slight to the Brooks team. It's just the people here have done that. And I know what kind of caliber team I just joined. I know what standard of excellence I need to try to achieve because that's what I'm trying to do anyway. So there's a level of intensity at workouts, but it's like, it's that inner fire intensity. That's like contagious where you're like, yeah, this is sweet. Like we just slam that rep. No one's really talking. Everyone's immediately into the jog recovery, immediately into the next rep, you get done and you finish it. Everyone high fives, knuckle touch. It's like, yeah, this is real. Like this, this is, this is competitive. This is racing. This is something that you can tell everybody thoroughly wants to do and thoroughly wants to get better at doing regardless of whether you're an Olympic champion who's 33 or you're someone like me, that's never made a world championship team. Like we're all in the same single file line competing against one another collectively, which I think is important. So the biggest difference I would say is just, there's a different level of intensity because these guys have done that. And, yeah. and now I'm trying to do it. And so I'm just trying to just do it. There's my ad for the day. There you go. That was a good like conclusion on that. Yeah. Um, I feel like, yeah, it's probably almost if it's like, it's like an expectation that you're going to yeah. do well and you're going to perform. It's not like a, we hope we do this, whatever. I honestly felt the same thing at, or at Oregon. And I think a lot yeah. of people would say the same if you're at like one of the top level schools, like you walk on a team like that and you have to perform well, like there's no other um, option. Yeah. Yeah. And it really helps you level up though. Like surrounding yourself yeah, with people that are better than you truly helps yep. you become a better athlete. Yep. Uh, without you even really having to try it kind of is just exactly natural and a lot of it is mental too just like mm -hmm. elevating yourself um do you ever feel I guess intimidated because it is just such a different environment yes and no yes in that like my number one priority is to game up to know that like I mean business too when I'm working out with this type of caliber group where I'm like yo I'm not here to I'm not here to f around like I'm I'm here to I'm here to make teams too like I've never done it you guys have, but like, yo, I'm in this too. Like we're all in this together kind of thing. And the guys are all super, super great. And this isn't even like a projection. It's more just like, I want them to know I'm serious. And I want them to know that like, this is not just another opportunity for me. This is like the opportunity for me. It's, it's a chance. And it's like something that me and Pete like communicated on early that like, I'm here because I want to succeed. And like you're saying, like you, you level up without really knowing it. Um, but the cool thing is like, I don't feel pressure. That's the craziest thing about it. Like, I don't feel the pressure to succeed here. If anything, it almost feels less than I had at Brooks because I feel a little bit more free with this. And even speaking with Pete the other day at practice, he said, he's like, David, this could be a one, two year development thing. You might not see results right away. It's like, you just gotta be patient and trust it. Perfect. My coach believes in me. My coach knows that this is not gonna be a day and night shift. Like this is, this is something that we're both equally invested to, to take time to be successful because what I thought was a finish line with Brooks is, is like a new start line of this career. And like, I'm excited for it. And so I'm intimidated, but I'm excited. Like the excitement outweighs almost anything else right now. So I'm kind of in a honeymoon stage. So ask me in about a month. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're at training camp right now, where it's like, it'll just exactly. probably get more intense. Exactly. Are you going to be running forward. indoors and stuff? I will be. Yeah. I'll be opening up in Spokane on January 27th. It's a UAC meet. So we put it on. Um, so I'll, I'll make my cute little Nike debut there. Okay. Well, that's exciting. What yeah. are the goals for the, I guess it's not even a rookie year, but yeah. <laughs> what are the goals like for this it, year? It really does. Yeah. Like year. I mean, honestly, my goal is 
like kind of like my soapbox or like stay true to myself. Like I'm not going to allow a different brand or a different team change any of my goals or expectations. Like if anything, again, like you said, like it leveled them up. So my goal honestly is just compete with the same fire that I competed with when I've made Olympic trials finals, when I've ran personal best, like that's felt more baseline now in the day-to-day training, because when I trained alone from, I mean, I, I truly trained alone from August until December. When I did that, I realized like, it's up to me if I want to do this or not. Like I need to put the effort forward. I need to take care of business. I just want to take care of business on the day. Like, I think I got really caught up in doing everything hundred percent perfectly right. Like nutrition, sleep, recovery, workouts. And I did all those great thinking that my race would take care of itself. And it didn't. Now I'm like, yo, I don't care how I get to the start line, but I got to get to the start line. Like I want to get to the start line. I want to, I want to beat some beep, 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 beep up, you know, like I'm beeping, beeping ready. I just want to, I just want to race. I feel, I feel so, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I just got. I got. No, a dog I can feel. I feel your energy like through the screen. Yeah, yeah, you got that dog in you. Dog. It's like motivating though for me. Yeah. Like I love talking to people that are so passionate, especially yeah. about running. Obviously, because I have like an emotional tie to running as well. But I just love people that have the fire in them, and you obviously do. Probably oh, just being reignited too with just yeah. so many if new I'm on things. The start line next to someone in a neon kit. Oh, you better believe I'm about to stomp with some spikes well okay you say that you've done you feel like i don't know you've tried to do everything right in the past i guess what has been the weakness that you've seen i guess for yourself the the weakness is uh i mean i i know it because i've i've lived it and i've spoken about it on every podcast for the last two years i feel like um (laughs) on my own podcast not yours I, i have no problem sharing on your platform um my weakness was just my my mental preparedness for a race like when you race and this is, this is something that I, I had in college. Racing is an extension of practice and all the efforts that you've done previously. Like if you put in the work and you've done the workouts and you've hit things to a T, that should give you confidence to race. And that should give you confidence that you're going to succeed, but it doesn't necessarily mean you will. And I think what I fell into the routine of at the professional level with Brooks was I was such a good person seven days of the week when it came to long runs, workouts, training, everything. Like I felt like I was acing it. I was literally training at a world-class level, but I could never take care of the day. And something that like, it honestly, some races felt like I was in a nightmare. Like I literally couldn't wake up from like, I, I it's like, you know, those dreams where you're like running slow and you're like looking around, you're scanning, like what the hell's going on? Like, wake up, wake up. You're going slow. Everyone's pulling away. That's what I was. That's what I was living. And I've worked with a sports psychologist for two years now. And she's incredible. Her name's Shannon. Um, and I found her with Howie, uh, my agent, and she, she's really helped me kind of reevaluate races in that like race trauma. I, I really do believe in race trauma. And like you put yourself in a scenario, it, your body kind of panics and then it happens again. And then you go into another scenario, that little trauma happens again. And then you just get in this really vicious cycle of self-deprecation of pulling yourself out of it of, and so for me, I don't even remember what the question was, um, or what, like, what are your weaknesses? Like, what, what is your, weaknesses? yeah. I think the weakness was I was beating myself before I got to the start line. Like I, I felt like I was carrying so much luggage and weight um, going into a competition that I couldn't, and like, not to be cliche, but like, I couldn't run free. Like, like I started the sport because I love the competition of it. And I love competing. I love beating people. I hate getting beat. 
And I think that when I got to the start line, I was already beating myself because I I knew who I was racing against. I knew what they were doing. I knew it's just like, no, it's, it's simple. Like zone out, focus on this one thing right now. And that's just running as fast as you can. Like you give it your best. If you give it your best, perfect. And I think I was just beating myself before anyone else did. So when I look at all those failures that I had, and I had a, I had more fail, failures than successes at Brooks, which is probably why I did get resigned. But I think a lot of those failures started with me beating myself and, and really not getting beat by anybody else, but me, like, I feel for that athlete that I was. And I'm not saying that I I'm a new person because maybe I'll have another one of those race traumas and have to come back out of it. But my biggest weakness I would say is just, I never allowed myself to compete the way that I wanted to compete. Um, and I had little glimpses of really, really great moments. First round of the Olympic trials, second round of the Olympic trials, every race I've PR PR'd in. And somehow through all the mental stuff that I went through, I was still able to run a 1500 meter PR every single year and run faster every single year. So I just know that in the right environment and the right preparation, like I will succeed, but I just have to honestly take care of my business. It's crazy how much like the mental side of things especially when you get to the like elite level especially a pro level like how much of a difference it makes and also it's the type of thing that it's not like an injury it's not like I don't know if you get a stress factory you have to wait x amount of weeks and then you're yeah. back running and you're back to training in it's yeah. way more I don't know blurry of how yeah. to fix these things but going to like obviously sports psych helps um but what were some I guess how have you overcome that because i know a lot of people probably have that same sort of thing mental blocks whatever yeah. um, dealing with that so i i in short or not even in short i guess we could talk as long as we want to i had to put myself in uncomfortable environments where like my biggest issue at the pro career was racing but that's what i love the most and i'm like why is the thing that i love the most the hardest thing for me to do right now so I had, I told Danny when I was getting coached by him, um, after I failed to make the final in USA's in the 1500 this year, Danny wanted me to shut it down and like kind of prepare for like a summer season of racing. And I just go, Danny, no, like I have to keep racing. I'm going to race every weekend until uh, July 15th. I don't care where the race is. I don't care what the race is. I'm going to race. So I went to Yakima, ran like 358 in the road mile, got dusted. I went to Portland, ran 338 in the 15, got third promise i'm like okay sweet then i went to la got fifth or something in the race but i ran 335 and the thing is is i'm like racing is not scary but when you go for these months and months and months and you're like in these training cycles and you're like this date on the calendar is when we go for this okay that's great in theory but if you don't do it that's gonna f you up that's gonna put you in a mental scenario of like holy cats i just trained for two months and i failed failed to do the job i was given yeah, you almost, especially when you don't race enough, you almost make it out to be way bigger than it exactly. should be. Exactly. And that's what I was doing wrong. And so to overcome it, I just told Danny like, hey, I failed to make the final, the 15 here this year in 2021. What, whoa, 2022, 2022. I got my years mixed up. I failed to make the final in 2022. I'm like, but that doesn't mean I want to stop racing. Like, let me keep racing. I'm going to keep going. And so I did. And then I ran up PR and I really genuinely don't think I would have PR had I shut it down. So I think that was a good move. And I think just to to put a little stamp on it, like trust yourself in those scenarios, you know what you want more than anyone else would know. So just trust that instinct that whatever it is, like, you know. Yeah, because it doesn't really sound like you're like burnt out or anything. Mentally burnt out, physically burnt out. No, it just seems 
yeah it's almost exposure i feel like it's like exposure therapy like you just got to keep doing it and make it less scary than it actually is i hate i hate i hate cold i hate ice baths like i love cold weather but like ice baths painful but for a year with josh we'd do every wednesday ice submersions and it got to a point where like i i didn't hesitate when i went over the ladder into the cold pool i just went in did my job got back out now i can handle cold not to say that i'm a superhuman or anything but like that's (laughs) superhuman because you take ice baths not even ice bath dude there's it's like the ice bath that i'm do now is like 58 59 degrees it's not even that cold i just hate it but when i conquer that i'm like oh yeah like i can do things i can do hard things it's not a book someone wrote do hard things. <laughs> um so yeah someone should write a book about that i can do hard yeah, things someone should write a book about um being a small school athlete with a big dream um, <laughs> but but yeah so i would i think exposure was the biggest thing of conquering that was just like regardless of the result i'm going to put myself in a position and focus on one thing for this race one thing for that race and then let it all come together and it did so well there you go and now you're in a new environment it's like a new start a clean slate it really it really feels like that i mean that resume that i had at brooks still definitely comes with me but the people that pay attention i think will know that like i am different and if people want to talk about things that i've done three years ago two years ago last year it is what it is like i'm only focused on what i'm trying to do next like yeah you got the blinders on Blinders on. I'm like one of them greyhounds. You got them blinders and you're just sprinting. <laughs> Greyhound muzzles. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I kind of, <laughs> it's funny that you talk about your book. I want to talk about your D2 experience because a lot of people are curious about that. I don't know anything about um, D2 sports or. Do you know where Western Oregon is? I've been to that campus actually, but I could not tell you what city it is in. Okay. It's in Monmouth, Oregon. It's okay. just north of Corvallis. Um, why did you choose to go D2? I did not choose D2. D2 chose me. Okay. Um, there's also an old slogan of Division 2. The old slogan for Division 2 was, I chose Division 2. Yeah, I know. That's why That's why I just said that. Yeah. I'm like, that makes, yeah. There's a lot of issues with that. They changed it to make it yours, which, you know, not bad. We'll, we'll go with that one. <laughs> um, to put it bluntly, like, I wasn't good in high school. Like, I'm teammates now with Raven Rogers. She had a better 800 PR in high school than I did. Like, she literally was faster than I was. Actually, she's still faster than I am. I'll, I'll be honest. So when it, when it comes to like my recruitment process, like I got offered scholarship from Eastern Oregon, Southern Oregon, Western Oregon. And if a Northern Oregon existed, I'd probably have gotten a scholarship from them. So it's like, I got only recruited by these small schools because I was a, a small school athlete in Oregon. My high school was a hundred kids in the high school. My graduating class was 30. Like it was, it was really, really out there. Wait, where um, were, where did you grow up? East, uh, do you know where LaGrand, Oregon is? No, but Eastern okay. Oregon? I can see Idaho. Yeah, I can see Idaho from like my backyard. Oh my gosh. That's Seven like rural. Miles. Yeah, it's it's rural. It's it's like 70 miles to the closest Walmart. No stoplights. No wow. everybody. Like 24 of the kids that I graduated high school with, I went to kindergarten with. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah, dating was rough. Yeah, um, it's very small pickings. I was, I was friend zoned a lot, as Ooh. you can tell. Um. Hey, you're getting married now, so. I'm getting married now. I would say, I was going to say I was in, I'm in the friend zone with Olivia, but we are friends. <laughs> you got out of the friend zone. Friends with benefits, a lot of benefits. Okay. <laughs> Love and happiness is what I'm referring to. Um, So yeah, I went to, uh, it wasn't that like I chose to go to Western. It was just like, they offered me a scholarship. I could see myself, I guess, being successful there, but I was so naive. Like when you talk about rural Oregon, I didn't really understand the concept of, division one, division two, division three. I just 
went where money was offered and I thought I could be successful. And when I finally was at school, I just did the workouts. I did the training and I won conference my freshman year, but like, I just saw massive leaps and improvements my freshman year of college, probably because I hit puberty finally. But like, I ran like 20 seconds faster in the mile my freshman year. And then at the end of my freshman year, it was like, oh, wow, I can go to nationals. Like nationals exists. I, I didn't really pay attention to that. And so the division two experience for me was like, I got to develop at my own rate and compete against guys of equal ability until I was ready to compete at the larger stage. What I really enjoyed about D2 was I was a division two athlete where we were in Western Oregon. I went down to the Oregon twilight shout out. I won the Oregon twilight 1500 against like Oregon guys against pros against like, but I'm still a D2 guy. So what I was able to do was go to the smaller school, develop at my own rate. And when I needed to, or wanted to compete against these higher level athletes with no repercussion or no pressure. If I lose, I'm a D2 guy. I'm not good anyway. If I win, oh, wow, there's this D2 kid that's pretty solid. So when I would travel up to the Dempsey, when I would go down to Sacramento for USA's, it was like all learning and, and all free competition for me because when it came to my conference and when it came to nationals, I'm not going to see those guys. Like I get to focus on guys that have equal opportunity and equal ability with me. So um, the D2 experience was just really unique. And I think that for an athlete, to only look division one, I think is, is short-sighted because there's a place for everyone. And whether that's D1, D2, D3, NAI, if you really look close enough, you'll see athletes that are pros, are Olympians that have been successful at every level uh, in, in the sport, community college, JUCO, it doesn't matter. Like if, if a campus calls to you, if a team calls to you, like that's the feeling you should go for not whether it's a status of D1 or gives you this gear, or that gear, like that ain't it. Like I, I competed in the same exact Jersey, for 12 seasons, like literally the same one cross indoor, outdoor, cross indoor, outdoor from freshman to senior year. I then stole it and I put it in a frame. So sorry, Western <laughs> Oregon. I'm a donor to your school. So do not, do not. I think you up. deserve it too. Yeah. So it was great. I loved it. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, that it, like, that is my story. So, and, and I'll live with it. How was it going then from D2 to pro level? Because even going from D1 to pro level is a huge jump. I underestimated it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got, I, and I and I think that might have been one of the reasons why I struggled for the first years. And I really didn't find stride until 21 in the Olympic trials. I kind of had a little bit of a trauma relapse in the final, uh, getting last in the 15 final. But it was a jump. And when being a professional runner started to become more and more real, I think that that pressure became a little bit more real. And the relief of winning became more of a priority than like the joy of it. Mm -hmm. so when I got to the pro level like I was in races that were paced for sub four every single day like or every single time I got on the line it was for a world-class level where at division two like I could do an 800 that was I won in 154 I could do a mile race that was one in 408 it didn't matter but then when I was ready to game up I was able to do so Cause that's what I was supposed to do. But when I got to the pro level, every single time you race, you have to game up, you have to be ready. And I underestimated that. And someone that I was really fortunate enough to be surrounded by was Drew Wendell, who was a teammate of mine at Brooks. He went to Ashland university division two champion, um, went on to make the 2017 world championship team, went on to win the world indoor silver medal, uh, in the 800 meters, I think it was the third or fourth fastest American over 800 meters at the time. And, it's like I competed against him and he was a resource and I honestly used him as a springboard to 
find my footing with the team and at the professional level because he he knew what I was talking about. There there is a big difference in D one D two, to put it like frank, like from a competition level and an elite level aspect. But he was a resource that helped that transition be a little bit easier. But it it wasn't easy. It was definitely hard. And I'd say I finally now feel comfortable competing against like big dogs all the time. But it's taken like four years to do so. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the pressure difference is just the biggest thing because. Yeah. Then you also have money involved too, which is a huge difference even between D1 people going to pro beyond like the performance side of things. Like the money aspect just plays a huge role mentally more than anything else. So I can't even imagine. But again, you're in a clean slate, a fresh, fresh team. Exactly. Ready to be real? No, <laughs> that's what we're doing right now? Yeah, I'm going to be real. Okay. There we go. I deleted my be real. Well, rip. I just have too much social media, you know, I can't, I can't do it all. And the notifications stress me out. Dude, that for real, for, uh, let's be real. Let's yeah. be real. The notifications be stress real. me that out. That notification sucks. So then yeah. why do you have it? I'm a sucker for a good time. Hey, I, who, who am I to judge? I have well, like every social media judge. Account, so. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, I don't want to keep it too long and you've already talked for like hours today. So I just want to end the podcast with some listener questions. Mm-hmm. because people need to know more about you who in your opinion has the best personality in the running world i'm just gonna i'm gonna go with straight authenticity because i think personalities can be perceived as um social media is very different from real life oh. but who is but who is very real on social media and is also real in real life i like i love following alio she is who she is like unapologetically so she's definitely there like her reels and her content creation mm-hmm. like you could think that it is like, oh, this is just for views. This is just cringe. Like, no, like Ali's actually that funny or Ali actually would still do these things without social media. So I would say she's really great. Who else can I give? God, there's a lot of boring people. That's the problem. <laughs> well, we like to call them runner bots. Like there's is, a lot of bots in the running world. Distance runner only, or can I get more? No, you can get more. Uh, Noah Lyles is good. I really like him. I really like his content. I like he does grassroots. I like that he just ripped his singlet uh, worlds. Like his personality, I think he will actually change the sport more than than most because he has the accolades to back up what he's doing, but he also has the personality to be in front of a camera. Like him and I got to spend some time together in Orlando. Him and I are actually boys. We play some games together on the internet. Not going to like talk about what nerd games we play together, but like <laughs> him and I talk a lot. And he has a he has a vision for the sport, like beyond an as an athlete, like he and i and i th- and i think he can do the things that he wants to achieve so i would say that noah and, and ali are like really good representations of like how genuine people are over social media or in their own right like those two are good i need to have noah on my um podcast i haven't really like dabbled in other yeah. event groups um yeah because i don't know anyone personally and that scares me to like reach out when i don't know them and i just feel awkward and cringy but so i should i when we had grant on we had grant holloway on and 2009 no 2020 right after worlds in doha that was that was that's my favorite episode to date really because I, I was intimidated as well like i was sweating the whole time through my shirt but i got to learn about him his event and the coolest thing is we have like a very obviously strong 16 to 20 year old demographic male distance runner <laughs> when we did like a thing that was like what was your favorite episode grant holloway almost through and through because it's just something different. I mean, in the distance running perspective, so you hear the yeah. same stories over and over and over again. And like, you yeah. might get a little bit of different perspective. Like someone comes on your podcast and my podcast is probably different. 
but it's exactly. this is the same cliche story most of the time exactly. over and over again love it but it is nice to hear something new exactly. i actually sat next to grant holloway i'm pretty sure i kind of forget now i'm pretty sure it was grant holloway on a plane ride when i was like fresh out of college from like mm. jamaica or somewhere i don't really remember but all i remember he had a big personality yeah so yep. Maybe I'll have him come on too. I'll just start shooting my shot in the DMs just saying, yeah, come on my podcast, please. That's how we got Grant. We just DM'd him. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I have the blue check mark and it has helped me in the past with the podcast. So I need to put it to good use Nice. now. Um, okay. Um, if you could only win against one of the three coffee club members, who would it be? Ollie. Are you saying that because he's the best or what? Yeah, I'm saying it because he's the best. <laughs> so if I can beat Ollie, I'll beat Jordy and Morgan every day. Ooh, do you guys have beef like does your podcast have beef with their podcast uh we, we we go back and forth in our dms about like we we sent like the stuff between ollie and josh about milrose last year like before we even sent it we're like hey look at this like look at this thumbnail oh like it, it i would say that from a competitive level like neither our podcast or their podcast wants to lose to one another but the, the fun thing is it's like the fans get into it and they see it as a rivalry and then we just let it feed itself um but there's no beef like they're good guys they're they're trying to push the sport forward as well um so there's no real beef yeah i love to just see people like doing content that are in the running in the sport of running are good because i feel like yeah. it's so fun to watch and i feel like people love it obviously then you have people like me who are like retired and washed but then i have people like you on my podcast and you come on and you bring a fresh perspective you know well, the last question I have for you is what is your advice to your younger self? I, w- I would say that like, it'll all work out. That's what I would just tell myself. Literally, whenever I think about any life thing that I had questions about when I was a kid has all panned out. Like seriously, like my career, my state of well-being, my happiness, my love, like all of it worked. And, and I and I had a lot of questions and I had a lot of like, I wonder if this, I, how will I do this? it's all coming together. Like just let, just let it happen. And, and I don't know, just be true to yourself. Cause I think at times I, when I was a young kid, I got really caught up in what I wish would happen now. Like what would, what I wish would happen then, but everything happens at the right time. And so, yeah. That's good advice. I feel like, I really um, do feel like everything falls into place mm-hmm. when it needs to. But it's hard to, yeah. when you're going through a hard time, it's hard to believe that. I 100% agree. Um, okay, well, where can people follow you at? You know, follow your your new journey and your podcast. You can follow, you can follow me at, uh, at DM Ribich. Um, You can follow me at Union Athletic Club. You can follow me at Nike, at Nike Running, at Nike Run Club, at Nike Fitbit, <laughs> at Nike Run 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 Club, at, no, I'm kidding, uh, just DM Ribich. Um, that's pretty much through and through everything, um, Twitter. I don't really tweet much. I'm not much of a tweeter. You can add me on Be Real. Let's send it, everybody. It's Real Ribich, R-I-B-I-C-H. Let's get some friends going there. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Instagram is probably where I do most of my stuff. Our podcast is called Sit and Kick. It's all right. Is it going to be up and running? Like, are you doing it regularly again? Or what's, we're, you we're can't gonna, promise that. We're going to have an exist um, because it's, we joke that it's only, the only time that Josh and I can be friends and the only time that Josh and I can see one another. So We'll definitely have it go. Um, it's not going to be a regular scheduled program like it was, though. We can't. We have to be realistic that it can't be that. Yeah. Well, people will be excited when it comes up. Either way. So. Okay. Exactly. All right, David. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, 
honestly, this episode was really motivating. Like, I kind of needed this vibe because your enthusiasm about this next chapter of your life like makes me excited um, for for you and for myself. I just feel like I needed that little motivation. So thanks. Yeah. To close out the episode, can we get a good old peace out, fellas? We can. We can get a little peace out, fellas, and a little champagne pop. <laughs> peace out, fellas. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of season five, episode two of season five. We're cranking out these episodes. 2023 is going to be our year. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Combos Over Cool Brew Pod if you want to be up to date on the latest episodes. Rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you love the show, I love reading your guys' reviews. And I will catch you all next week. Peace out, fellows. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.